If you guys would please join me over in the book of 2 Corinthians and chapter 6. This is a place where we will find God's assignment for us tonight. And the Apostle Paul, in his second letter to the Corinthian church, has been sharing with them a number of incredible truths as we come to chapter 6 tonight. And he's shared with them about how we as believers know the God of all comfort who is able to comfort us in any afflictions or in any sufferings or in any trials that we might go through. And the reason why he does so is so that we can then, in turn, comfort others that may have to endure the same kind of hardship, that may have to endure the same kind of suffering, that may have to endure the same kind of afflictions that we ourselves have had to go through. And he continues from there and begins to talk about how we are indeed triumphant in Christ and how he leads us in triumphal procession. And he describes us as the very aroma of God to the world around us. And that's what we are as believers. Uh, you bear Christ's aroma. You have the fragrance of Christ upon you if you walk closely enough with him. Because I found that when you walk close with God, you can't help but begin to act like him. But at the same time, you also can't help but be able to smell like him even in his glory. So we are the aroma of Christ to the world around us. And he goes on to share with them a few other things about how we are ministers of a new covenant. And God has placed us here on this earth to help reconcile other people to God. And we are his ambassadors here on this earth. And we carry with us the light of the gospel. These are all the privileges. These are all the benefits that we have of being believers in Christ. And on top of all that, in chapter 5, he kind of tops it off with talking about how we have a heavenly dwelling that awaits for us one day. And I know there are some hopefully longing hearts in this room to get to that place that will be our final home. And we have that to look forward to. But then we get to chapter 6. And Paul says something to the church in this letter that I just find to be quite disturbing. So look at chapter 6, starting in verse 11 with me. and He's poured out all these things to the Corinthians. And then he says at this point, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as the children, widen your hearts also. I want to speak to you guys for a few moments from the subject of affections that cause restriction. Life has certain restrictions or limits, in other words, that we all encounter at times. There are certain age restrictions that this life has, right? You have to be 16 years old before you can get your driver's license. You have to be 18 uh, to vote. You have to be 19 before you can legally purchase tobacco. You have to be 21 before you can legally drink alcohol. And there are certain age restrictions that we have uh, and that we encounter in this world, but there are also certain academic restrictions as well that we encounter, right? Most universities require you to have a certain ACT or SAT score before you can enroll into that university. Some employers you will find when you send out your resume might require you to have a certain GPA before they'll even look at your application or to be considered for a job. The same way with grad school. Some of you are looking to, to go to grad school after you finish up with your undergrad degree. A lot of grad schools require that you have a certain GPA in order for you to be able to enter into their program. And it's the same way with some of you that are on scholarships, right? Some of your scholarships require that you keep a minimum GPA in order to keep that scholarship. So there are certain academic restrictions that we face in this life. As you're growing up, there are certain parental restrictions 
that you guys might have faced, and some of you might have benefited from that now that you're beginning to get older and you realize that your parents had a little more wisdom than what you wanted to give them credit for, but there might have been certain parental restrictions that you faced, like you might have had a curfew you had to be in at a certain time on the weekends. There might have been certain shows. There might have been certain movies. There might have been certain cartoons that you weren't allowed to watch uh, when you were growing up. There might have been certain friends whose houses you weren't allowed to go over to. Uh, you might have been restricted in the sense that you couldn't start dating until you were a certain age. And so life is full of different restrictions that we face uh, during different seasons of life. But, you know, on a more serious note, Paul speaks of the reality here. And this is what I found to be so disturbing as God led me to this passage, that there's the reality that there are things that can restrict us in our spirituality. There are things that we encounter. There are things that we can give ourselves to that will restrict us in our walk of faith. Things that we allow to develop a wrongful affection in our hearts for so that what ultimately happens is our hearts become divided among those things. And so now you have affections that are causing restrictions in your life and our lives become restricted in the sense that we can't live to the fullness of our potential or to the fullness of God's glory and what He has called us to. And there are two things that Paul points to that were affections that restricted the Corinthians. And there are only two things that I want to share with you guys tonight. And they cover a very, very broad scope. And so the first thing that you need to see that he points out, we find on down in verse 14. So go back to the text and look at what Paul continues speaking to the Corinthians. He says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial, what were Satan, another word for him that the Jews would use, what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? So the first thing that Paul points out is an affection that was restricting the Corinthians' lives was relationships. Relationships. That was the first thing that Paul saw that was an affection in their life that was causing restriction in their spirituality. And he's not exclusively talking about dating relationships here, although that can be lumped in. Some of you might be in a dating relationship right now that is restricting your spirituality. It's a relationship that you know that you should not be in. But for whatever reason, you continue in it. Whether it's for fear of not finding somebody else, whether it's this misguided thought that you're going to be able to actually change that person. Listen, I know you girls, I know how y'all think on some levels, not very well, not very deeply, but I know how your thought process goes sometimes. And I've talked to Many girls, and I've sat in counseling sessions with couples, girls that have had bad relationships in the past, and this reoccurring theme pops up about how they thought that they could be a good influence in his life, about how they thought they could change certain things about him. Listen to me. He's stupid. He ain't going to change for you. He's set in his ways. He's going to do what he's going to do, and he's going to treat you like crap regardless of how well you treat him. That's a relationship you need to get out of. You're not going to change him. The only thing that's going to change the heart of any individual in this room is Jesus Christ himself. So unless you are Jesus, you are not changing the heart of an individual. And you can be Christ. You say, well, I'm trying to set an example for him. Well, that's fine. But more than likely, one of the reasons why he's with you is he, if he's treating you like crap, he doesn't care about what kind of an example you're trying to set for him. He's got other things on his mind. So some of you, you might be in a dating relationship that you're giving wrong affections for, and it's hindering you spiritually. But really what I think what Paul was saying to the Corinthian believers was you need to watch just your friendship relationships. 
because they had a bad habit of wanting to be around the wrong crowd. They had, uh, as Garth Brooks might put it, they had friends in low places, so to speak, and, and it wasn't very, very good. And it had gotten to the point where they would rather fellowship with non-believers than they had with true believers. And what Paul is trying to help them see is that, in reality, that's not fellowship at all. And that's why he gives the comparisons. What business does righteousness have to do with lawlessness? None. There's no fellowship there. What fellowship does light have with darkness? He says none. There's no fellowship there. What fellowship does Jesus Christ have with Satan? None. There's no fellowship there. And so these bad relationships that they had allowed themselves to enter into, they would rather be entertained. They'd rather go out on the weekends. They'd rather spend all their time with non-believers than they had with true fellowship with other believers, with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And what Paul's trying to help them see is, look, this isn't really fellowship at all. People of the light have no business associating themselves with deeds of darkness. And it's not that Paul's trying to be rude. It's not that Paul's trying to be mean. But how many of you know that sometimes when somebody speaks the truth into your life, it's painful at first? And Paul says, I'm trying to save you guys a lot of pain in the future. If I can cause you temporary pain now, I might can keep you from having to endure permanent pain later on in the future. So they were in some bad relationships and they were giving affection to the wrong kinds of relationships. They actually enjoyed these things. They circled it on, on their calendars. They made weekends out of it, going out and hanging and partaking in the things of the world. Listen to me. When you give your affection to the wrong relationships, those relationships will affect you. Did you hear me? I'll say it again just in case. When you give affection to the wrong relationships, those relationships will affect you. How, how do you think people get to the point where, where they have premarital sex? How do you think we get to the point where we take that first drink? How do you think we get to the point where we pop that first pill? How do you think we get to the point where all of a sudden we'll just stop attending church on a regular basis when you've been committed for so long? It gets to that point because of who you allow yourself to be influenced by and the relationships that you allow yourself to fall into on a committed basis. All those things ultimately lead to people that you allow yourself to be influenced by. I don't know very many people, and I'm not saying that it couldn't happen, but I don't know very many people who are sitting around at their house and just on a whim decide, I think I'm going to get up, go to the liquor store, buy me a 12-pack, and sit down and just knock them back. Most people came to that decision by the influence of the other people that they had allowed themselves to be around. And it's like that with so many other things in life. Listen, I think this is big. Relationships are a result of our choices. And so often, our choices are the result of our relationships. I hope you guys are hearing me tonight. I really do. And this is not meant to be a discouraging message or anything like that. I really hope and pray that you're receiving what God has for you tonight from his word. Relationships are a result of our choices. Your relationships are choices that you in your own right mind, decide to enter into. Nobody forces you into the people that you pick to be friends with. You choose that willingly. But I will tell you this. 
your choices are often the result of that relationship. The things that you decide to do, the places that you decide to go, the words that you decide to speak, the actions that you decide to take are so often a result of the relationships that you have allowed yourself to be involved in. In 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 33, God's word simply says this, bad company corrupts good character. And it's not the other way around. God could have wrote it like this, good character impacts bad company. But it doesn't work like that. It's the other way around. Bad company corrupts good character. If you are one person in the midst of several bad relationships, you're not going to be the one that's making the impact. You're going to be the one that's being impacted. And some of you, I think, might have some restricting relationships in your life that are hindering you from living for God's glory and fulfilling the purpose that he has called you to. Is it really worth it? Are those relationships really worth keeping you from experiencing the life abundant that God has set out for you? Is it really worth sacrificing the purpose that he has called you to? Is it really worth laying aside the glory that he could portray in and through your life just to keep those relationships that you don't need to be a part of? You will take on the character of your company. You will. It is a part of human nature. The company that you keep will be the character that you begin to develop in your life. So ask yourself a couple of questions. Does this relationship encourage me to carry the character of God? Because that's the job each and every one of us has as believers. We are to be a portrait of his character and his glory here on this earth. So ask yourself this question with the relationships that you have in your life. Does this relationship encourage me to carry the character of God? Let me ask you one more. Do your relationships restrict your pursuit of God? Or do your relationships reinforce your pursuit of God? And you know the answer to it. And you're the only one that does. So how honest are you going to be with yourself tonight? How honest are you going to be with your Savior tonight? So the first thing that we see out of the gates that Paul points to as an affection that was restricting the Corinthians was the relationships that they were allowing themselves to be a part of. But there's something else. Let's pick up in verse 16. Paul continues on. And he says this, What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So in verse 16, we see the second affection that the Corinthians were giving themselves over to that was causing a restriction in their life spiritually, and it was quite simply this, idols. So we've got relationships, and now we've got idols. And you might could classify relationships underneath this one. It's kind of broad. And some of us probably do idolize some of the relationships that we have in our lives. But I think God intends for us to keep it separate tonight. Idols were an affection that the Corinthians were giving themselves over to that was ultimately restricting them in their spirituality. It was restricting them in living out their purpose. It was restricting them in living for the glory of God. In the temple, or the temple of God in the Old Testament, it was known as a place where God's presence was found. But now, in Christ... We have the indwelling Holy Spirit. Once you give your life to Jesus Christ, 
you are given the guaranteed deposit of your salvation in the form of His Holy Spirit. He convicts you of sin. He gives you guidance. He gives you direction. He prompts you to do things that glorify Him. And so now we're not dependent upon a place or a building to hold the presence of God. We are the temple of God, and we carry His presence with us wherever that we go. And so in specifically, if you were to look at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17, write it down. Proofread me if you want to later on. That verse tells us that His presence specifically dwells within our hearts. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is where idol worship becomes particularly dangerous. Because when you give your affection to an idol, you essentially divide your heart. Which in turn will restrict your spirituality. And so idols are broad, a broad term, right? There are a lot of different things in our lives that could be idols. But I want to give you a picture of what this looks like within our hearts when we give our affections to idols instead of the one true God. So for some of you, I think there are some people in this room that carry with them the idol of achievement. Some of you have the idol of achievement when it comes to academics, to where you base everything in your life upon your academic success. And it has become an idol in your life. There's nothing wrong with striving to make good grades. There's nothing wrong with doing your best in school, with studying hard. I respect that, and you should do that. But for some of you, that is the make or break thing in your life. And if that thing falters, you will falter with it. So you have the idol of achievement through your academic success. Some of you, it might be through athletics. I've been in this boat. You worship the ground on the field that you walk on. And you base your entire life off of the success or the failures that you have while you're out there playing, while you're out there performing. It's all you think about. It's all you dream about. Man, if you could have one thing in your life, it was to be professionally paid to play whatever sport it is that you play. And so you worship that idol of achievement through academics and through athletics. For some of you, it's going to become your achievement through your career. And you will begin to idolize that thing in your life, climbing that corporate ladder, making the big bucks. See if I can get that six-figure job. And so you begin to idolize that achievement, whether it's making the best grades, whether it's making the best plays, whether it's getting the best salary, it doesn't matter. You idolize this God of achievement. And when you do so, you divide your heart. Some of you, maybe it's not achievement. For some of you, maybe you carry around the idol of family. You got strong family ties. And I get that. I'm a family guy. I spend a lot of time with my family. And some of you, family has become an idol in your life because it is what you give your affection to. And the thought of God possibly taking you somewhere else to where you would be separated from your family sends a chill up your spine. But Jesus is very clear, if you're not willing to leave your father and your mother, your brother and your sister behind, then you are not fit to follow me. And so you have allowed this idol of family to hinder you from living out your potential, from living out your calling, from living out your purpose, from living out God's glory in and through your life because you can't let go of that thing. 
and it is restricting you. That affection is restricting you. And so you give yourself over to that idol, and guess what happens? You divide your heart again. Maybe it's not the idol of achievement. Maybe it's not the idol of family in your life. Maybe it's the idol of entertainment. And this could be a lot of things, and specifically hobbies. Maybe you give your affection over to your recreation, to the things that bring you entertainment, to that thing that you look forward to doing every single weekend. Maybe you like to hunt like me, and it's hunting season, and all you can think about while you're sitting at your desk and you're trying to prepare sermons is how it's 45 degrees this morning, and you could have been in a tree stand, and it's just getting awesome. That's all you can think about, and it dominates your mind. Or maybe it's fishing, where you're like me, and you're sitting at your desk, and it's 45 degrees this morning. You're thinking, man, it'd be a good topwater bite, so I could go fishing this morning. I could go hunting in the afternoon. I just hunt and fish my life away. And so you give your life over to what entertains you, to your recreation. And I don't know what you guys like to do. Maybe it's shopping. Maybe there's some big sale going on, and you're stuck at work, and you know, man, Belt's got these dresses for like 50% off, and I can't get over there because I'm having stuck at this stupid job, and I can't get there to buy that dress. Maybe it's shopping. I don't know. Maybe some of you like photography, and so that's all you think about doing all the time, and you can't concentrate about anything else. I don't know. Maybe it's Pokemon or something. I don't know. But you've got this entertainment. You've got something that you enjoy doing. And so it's an idol in your life. And it takes your affections. Some of y'all back in the day were seriously into Pokemon, right? Like, like you had the binders, right? The school binders, the three-ring binders. And you had them all like laminated so you could flip back and forth. And that's okay. Confession is good for the soul. But, it's, but it, your idol's entertainment, and so you give your affection to those things. And it begins to restrict you. It keeps you from being focused on what God is calling you to do. Because you'd rather hunt, or you'd rather fish, or you'd rather shop, or you'd rather take pictures, or you'd rather trade playing cards, or whatever it may be. And so you give yourself over to that thing, and then guess what happens? Once you give yourself to that idol... Your heart's divided again. And so, you know, maybe it's not achievement. Maybe it's not family. Maybe it's not entertainment. Maybe you bow down to the idol of social media where your affections, where your joy, where your happiness, where your satisfaction, where your Fulfillment is based off how many likes your next picture can get. Or how many followers you can gain within a month's time. And so your whole life is based off of this affection that you have with social media. Y'all seen the new iPhone update, right? That gives you your screen time at the end of each week. Have y'all seen this? I think it would make some of us sick to our stomach if other people knew how much time we average per week looking at our screens versus how much time per week we average looking at God's Word. And you have an idol in your life. And it is taking your affections and it is restricting you from living your purpose 
from living your calling, from pursuing the glory of God. And so you give yourself over to that idol, and guess what? Your heart is divided once more. what's even worse consequently about this situation is when you give your affection to idols you not only divide apart your heart but you break apart God's heart when the Israelites would bow down to foreign idols God would compare it to spiritual adultery you're cheating on God. You're taking the affections that He rightly deserves, and you're dividing your heart with all these false gods. And at the same time, you're breaking His heart. All these things that we talked about, they have the potential to restrict you from living out your purpose. And you know, you give affection to this and to this and to this. And then the next thing you know, eventually your heart has no more room to hold any affection for Jesus. There's nothing left. I've sold myself out to social media. I've sold myself out to entertainment. I've sold myself out to family. I've sold myself out to achievement. And now I don't have anything left to give for Christ. And, you know, he doesn't want part of your heart. He wants the whole thing every single bit of it. He's not satisfied with just one section. He wants every single part of your heart. For years, scientists and researchers have thought that boa constrictors kill their prey by asphyxiation or suffocation. But a new study has recently come out and it shows that to not be the case actually. And what they have found is that when constrictors catch their prey, they squeeze it so hard, so fast, and so intensely that it stops the blood flow. And so what actually kills the prey is not the fact that it suffocates, but the fact that the squeezing is so intense, so fast, that it literally cuts off its blood flow. So the cause of death it isn't actually asphyxiation, it's restriction. And when you give yourself over to misplaced affections, it will restrict you. And it will squeeze you tighter and tighter and tighter, just like that constrictor. Until, not that you're blood flow is cut off but your faith flow is cut off and now instead of flourishing for God in your purpose you begin fading instead but God has a response look at verse 17 look at, look at what God says, he quotes a passage from the Old Testament and God is speaking through one of his prophets here. And he says this, he's talking to his people and he says, therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. 
Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. So there's a response that God has. And there's four things really that he says that stands out to me. And the first one is this. He says, therefore, which means it starts with me. So God picks up that heart that's been divided. He says, therefore, it starts with me. And then he says something else to them. The second thing that he says in specific, he says, go out. Go out. In other words, with my help in your life, I will help you to go out from those things that you have given yourself over to. I will help you go out from those relationships. I will help you go out from those idols that you have been worshiping for for so long. Therefore, go out. Then he says this, separate. Separate. Separate is an important word. God says, with my help, I will help you separate from those things that you have bowed down to for so long. Those relationships that you shouldn't have been in, those idols that you shouldn't be worshiping, I will help you by my strength and by my power to separate yourselves from those things. Listen to me. Separation doesn't mean isolation. He's not saying that you cut off your contact from the world around you. We all need to have people in our lives that are lost. How else can we show the light to them? But you don't associate. You don't fellowship with darkness. And so there has to come a point where you separate. You don't cut off. You don't isolate. You just draw a line in the sand where you say, I'm not going to go and do those things. I'm not going to be present in that place. I'm not going to act like that. I'm not going to speak like that. So God says, separate, and I will help you do that. There's one more thing that he says. Did you catch it? At the end of verse 17, he says, don't touch. Don't touch. So he says, with my help, with my strength, I will help you not to touch what tempts. It's not easy to go out. It's not easy to separate. It's not easy to stay away from those things that you have bowed down to for so long. But God says, with my help, I'll help you not to touch those things ever again. And Look at verse 1 of chapter 7. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Let cleansing bring about holiness. Let, let me show you this. In other words, God says, what was divided, I will cleanse and I will bring back to whole holiness. What was divided through bad relationships? What was divided through your false worship of false gods? I will cleanse and I will put back whole. What has your affections tonight? What in your life is restricting you from living for the glory of God? Would you bow your heads for a moment?
as we go into a time of invitation, I would ask you guys to just simply respond. And if you have things in your life, if you have affections in your life, whether it's relationships, whether it's idols of achievement or entertainment or social media, don't let it restrict you any longer. God has a simple fix to the problem. He says, just come to me and let me cleanse those things. Those things that have defiled, those things that have divided, those things that have corrupted your life, I will cleanse and I will restore back to holiness. There are plenty of us in this room tonight, I feel, that need to hit our knees and ask God to bring a cleansing in our lives that restores our divided hearts back to holiness. And you might need to ask Him to give you the strength to go out, to separate, and to never touch.